0: When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Well, today has been a sad old lonesome day. Yeah, today has been a sad old lonesome day. I'm just sitting here thinking with my mind a million miles away. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the in Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about Lonesome Day Blues from 2001's Love & Theft is our pal and frequent guest, Henry Bernstein. Hi, Henry. I'm back. <laughs> you are back. As we were saying off air, you are one appearance away from tying the record. Uh, of a number of appearances by one person on Pod Dylan, so uh congratulations almost i
1: it's rarefied Dylan air
0: <laughs> so uh, you know people are impressed
1: when I tell them I've been to twenty six shows, and i'm right. always like i'm like to me you know among my my people, you and you know everyone else uh it that it seems like nothing you mm-hmm. know um but you know to get to eight appearances on pod <laughs> Dylan that <laughs> That is true. That, that's impressive.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I can't believe
1: I've had that much to say.
0: You know? uh, well, but well, that is, the, I, I've done 200 of these things. We're about Henry. I haven't right. run out of things to talk about. So, but, uh, yes, we're here to talk about, as I said, lonesome day blues, but we're also here for another very special reason. And that is we have a field report from our good friend Henry, because in, since he's been on the show the last time, Henry, you've been to the Bob Dylan Center. You took a trip to the Bob Dylan Center. This is very exciting. I still have not had a chance to go yet. So, di- tell Dish, tell us all about the trip. First of all, this was like a last-minute thing. You just decided to do it, right? Very sort of abruptly.
1: My wife had been on a trip for two weeks, so I was solo <laughs> with our two little ones for two weeks. That's kind. Of, that's a long time to be <laughs> solo
0: with
1: with toddlers. It was fine. It was great. I had a great two weeks. You know, um, and when she came back, she was like, is there is there anything you want to do or, you know, for yourself or go anywhere? I said, yes, I don't need two weeks. I need about 36 to 48 hours. Hmm. <laughs> I would like to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to the Bob Dylan Center. And she was like, oh, well, I would like to go with you on that. I'm like, great, let's do it. Couldn't figure it out in a way where we both could go. But oh. I, went, I went by myself. So now I have an excuse to go again. Um And yeah, I literally just poked around and found one-way ticket there, a one-way ticket back, found an Airbnb a mile away and just did it. Um, and cause I, it was sort of like, I, I work in a school. So like, this is the period of time during the year in the summer when like, it's sort of last chance to do something like that because sure. the rest of the year, it's harder. Um, so yeah. So I just, I made a pilgrimage to Mecca or a pilgrimage to the temple Mount as the ancient Israelites did, which is probably more appropriate for me.
0: <laughs> <But>. <laughs> what was the time period between getting the idea and being there what was the what, what was the
1: what are we talking about i have literally been looking at my calendar and trying to figure it out since it opened and like you got your field report from allison rap and uh laura Robert spoke Reed. there and you know just all of that i've been like when can i go when can i go so mm-hmm it's been percolating and I, and I just thought like, okay, the summer, like we have Fridays off. We have Mondays work from home. It's more doable. And so as soon as she left for her trip, I started like putting it in the back of my head, like, okay, gotcha. she comes back. I'm going to, this is what I want to do when I'm asked that question. I was ready for the question. So yeah, I would say like realistically, um, you know, a couple days, like as, as she was approaching, I <laughs> read
0: the return. So, so, okay. Well, I mean, I don't have any real sort of structure for this. I want to, out what did you, what did you think of it? We can get into the details of it, but overall, what was your takeaway from having been, first of all, how long were you there? How long were you actually visiting the place? Like one day, two days? What was it?
1: I had one day to do it. I arrived okay. Thursday night at my like 10 o'clock. Went to sleep. The museum opens at 10 a.m. and they close at six. I also had tickets for the Woody Guthrie Center, which is right next door, because right you can get yeah. like a dual thing. And I was my my thought was like, I'm just going to do as much as I can. If I make it to Woody Guthrie, great. If not, okay. They got a donation from me. So the museum is open at 10. I got there at about I think like 10:35, and <laughs> um. And I walked out of there at 5:30 p.m. Like I had a half an hour at the Woody Guthrie okay. Center. So what is that? Seven hours, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and um, overall, it's amazing. Like it's everything you've heard. It's you. You know, when you get your chance to go, Rob, you'll you'll love it. There, there's no question. Um, it's comparable in terms of um incredible artifacts to the country music hall of fame and to the rock and roll hall of fame like mm-hmm. wow that is the guitar that bob recorded tangled up in blue on. like that's something i would want to see visiting a bob dylan museum right that's the le- leather jacket he wore at newport right like cool shit like that and and it, but in terms of um experience it was like a kid's science museum it was Completely interactive. Mm. Um, you, it, there is total movement and intentionality behind how you enter, how you exit. Like they really thought about that stuff and you feel it. Um, there's, uh, so when you walk in, there's like already just a giant picture of times they are a change, change in Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of with his hands in his pockets, legs spread, like really tall. And then at one of his iron sculptures. And as you move through the museum, you, you write, you get to the, the security desk or whatever, the, the welcome desk. So I I walk in. I'll tell you about my experience. So I walk in and I burst into tears. I, I just absolutely, I I just walked in and went, Oh my God. And, and it just like the waterworks started and there were like five people at the desk. They got a lot of people employed there. I I don't know if, uh, if they're, they're volunteers or what, but and they were just like oh my god sir are you okay i'm like
0: i'm just so happy to be here
1: and, you know, I told <laughs> they
0: run into that a lot i mean well, I, to-
1: I don't know they were very attentive to me rob like they immediately like they immediately were like um you know where did you come from I'm like i, I flew from chicago i'm here for 24 hours and they're like oh my gosh here and they handed me the booklet by um Sean Wilentz, maybe that was given out at just to the opening. The people who came to the opening. Oh, wow. It was like this little, uh, forgive me. It's either Clinton Halen, Sean Wilentz, or Grail Marcus. I'm drawing a blank, blank right now, but I think it's, um. I'm betting it's, it's
0: Sean Wilentz.
1: <laughs> 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 from the
0: names you just gave me, I'm betting Sean Wilentz. But okay. Yeah,
1: I, I think it is. Um, and they gave to, they're like, here, well, since, you know, this is a special visit for you and you weren't with us at the opening here. And it's beautiful. Like they gave, gave me a little gift right off the bat. And, um, and yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's called Bob Dylan approximately. And it's really a nice, it, uh, written on the occasion of the opening of the Bob Dylan center, May 10th, 2022. Mm. Um, and, and, and so then like you're right there in the, um, um, the gift shop, like that's the first thing you see. So it's like, I had to like restrain myself, like imagine just like a merch table, that is an entire room, <laughs> right? Like I wanted everything. And, but I was like, okay, this will be my <laughs> reward for the end. Obviously I'm not going to buy merch now. It'll still be here.
0: Right. I'm so, going to carry
1: it around with me and stuff. Yeah. And it's everything you could imagine from a Bob Dylan museum. Like it's really a little, um, I get why it's called the center and it's actually cooler that it's called the center, but it really is a Bob, the Bob Dylan museum. And you know, there's giant pictures of him in various stages of his career, rolling thunder, Bob, time out of mind Bob like all over and and then you make your way in to the exhibit and it's a giant curved wall picture of Bob and Suze Rotolo looking off into the distance from the free will in sessions and then there's a an interact sort of an interactive movie that's happening all around you with um this art installation of pages of all of his lyrics flowing out of a typewriter Mm. onto a piano and you can watch the movie sort of all around you, either on one side or on the other. And it's his whole career and it's beautifully done. There's excerpts from No Direction Home and interviews from the sixties and Don't Look Back and everything in between. Um, and, and then you enter the museum and this is the really the one of the most impressive parts because it's set up both chronologically so like you go like 1959 to 1962, you know, uh, and they have tied subtitles of each, of each section. And, um and you, and there's, a, and you do an audio tour and it's just these little iPods and you just press them to a spot and you'll hear a sound clip. You'll hear a never before heard interview. um And, or you'll hear things you've, you've already known or him or someone talking about him and you just go kind of decade by not decade by decade, but like period by period, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And and that's around the perimeter, and you can make it. You can so you can do it that way and get all the way right up to Murder Most Foul, Um and 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 uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Like that's how it ends. It's kind of cool. In the middle of the 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 floor are little sort of micro exhibits of individual songs. So the ones that were mm-hmm. there, I found out later that they're going to be changing over time. So that's Very cool. The ones that were there in order of how you walk around the the museum. if you want to do it this way, it's chimes, uh, chimes of freedom, like a rolling stone, uh, uh, man and me tangled (laughs) up in blue Joker, man, not ends with not dark yet, not dark yet. And each one has like, like I said, the jacket that he wore at Newport for like rolling stone, um, you know lyric okay the, and the so I, i'm not going to bore you with all of that but the, the most impressive part was on tangled up in blue it was like like what's your favorite bob dylan song of all time rob
0: series of dreams
1: okay so you will there's definitely some cool series of dream stuff up there <laughs> but imagine a whole exhibit where you got to see the notebook that he wrote series of dreams on so the tangled up in blue mini exhibit there's lyric sheets, there's lyric changes, there's a whole thing about the the lyric changes, the different recordings, the guitar he recorded it on, mm. um, stuff from Rolling Thunder review, Real Live, um, and then there is a sort of, it's, an, it's a notebook with a mi- video projection on it, but you can't tell that it's the projecting, animating his actual notebook. So like, you see him scratch. You see the lyrics being scratched out, and like you know, truck drivers being changed to mathematicians or something like that, and pictures that he drew. And it's so it's like watching him create his notebook while you're listening to Tangled Up in Blue. It's synced with t- Tangled Up in Blue. So there's things like that. Like it is, it is a real interactive experience. The Not Dark Yet. Gosh, do I have an appreciation for that song even more now, just about <laughs> what he was going through at that point in his life, how he really all, did almost die. And I mean, just everything about that period of time is so fascinating. The the um, accolades and the acceptance of those accolades that were given to him and that he took is so unlike anything else that happens during his career, right? Like the, the deep appreciation that happens at the Grammys... When he, for time out of mind and seeing him actually, you know, give a speech and talking about seeing buddy Holly, like mm-hmm. it seems very unlike him. Like he, and mm-hmm. it just, so, so there's this like mute sort of, I, I understood that period of time. I was in high school then. I wasn't listening to Bob Dylan yet, but I understood that period of time of how much more significant it was in the grand story of Bob Dylan. The last thing I'll say about that floor is there's a, a one more interactive exhibit where you can go into a recording studio and, and they have animation and audio, and you can experience the recordings of, uh, I want you, Mississippi, and it was a song from Oh Mercy. I can't remember which one. And so it like kind of takes you in like what the, the vibe is. Oh, and knocking on heaven's door, what the vibe was like in the recording studio at that time. So there's little interviews with like Daniel Lenoir for the hmm. stuff for, wow. and, and they talk about Bob's frustration. And then what they do is they, they take you through for Mississippi, for example, you know, that was recorded for Oh Mercy. And you hear all the different versions of it. And there's no way to like, like I held up my voice recorder on my phone to my earphones to try to record it. Cause there's no way to to do that. Otherwise there's like all these different versions. There's talking, there's Lenoir talking, there's musicians talking and he's explaining how he did it. And then, it, then it gets you to, to, uh, to love and theft, and like the final version, and why it works for that, and um, we'll talk about that in, in, in a little bit when we talk mm-hmm. about love and theft at large. <sighs> okay, that's just the first floor. There's also a little <laughs> reading reading nook that puts my library of Dylan books to shame, and you uh, know it was cool seeing K.G. Miles's book and some other people I recognized um, up there. Matthew Ingate's book isn't there yet, but. Um, so that was very cool. And so, you know, I didn't want to waste my time reading while I was right. there. Like, yeah. Oh, one more thing about the, the, the bottom floor. They had, I think I also mentioned this, but they had a never before heard recording from worlds gone wrong. That was amazing. And I'm so mad. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I, I have not, I have not heard it, but I know what you're talking about. And yeah, it was a, that's a song I didn't even know existed. I knew there were outtakes from that record, but I didn't know. I didn't hear that. I didn't, I'd never heard of that one. So that was really and it, cool. And
1: it, and it like. And it makes you wonder what else is, is not on that. Album. Yep. Yeah, those yep. two albums, right. Cause he yep. must've just unloaded the catalog from his brain. Yep. <laughs> those sessions. Um, anyway, you go upstairs um, there's quotes from Dylan on the stairs as you're walking up big pictures of him and you hit the archive. Now, the first thing is there are different art art installations that will be there. So the first thing is an exhibit about Dylan by Jerry Schatzberg this is the book that um, I'm just I know this is an audio medium, but <laughs> it's, it's like from that photo session, that famous photo session from 66, the big hair and the cigarette, you know, the hand, the hand coily over the face, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have all the orig- like the large prints of that, the original stuff he had in his hand and uh, some of Schatzberg's other work. I didn't spend a lot ton of time on that. The archive is exhausting, Rob. It it is chronological. There are three video monitors throughout it. It goes down a whole long hallway. And the people there told me it is 1% of what they have.
0: Whoa.
1: They're going to switch it out. meaning that Dylan (sighs) kept everything and then just dumped it all here. (laughs) 1%. 1%. (laughs) Bob the
0: Hoarder, what's happening?
1: (laughs) I mean, it was his harmonicas from the town hall concert. It was... Um, there's this amazing jacket from the 78 tour, which I know again, Allison, shout oh, the out. Oh, the
0: thing with the unicorn, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they got to make that. They, they got to put that in the gift shop. Come on. There's
1: <laughs> guitars. And then not only that in the archive, there's lyrics, there's tickets, there's, you know, Japanese posters, there's, and again, there's little audio and video for every single thing. So it's, you, I spent three hours there. I mean, I was literally mm. on my feet for three hours. Um, just making my way down. I was, I spent two hours down, pretty much two and a half hours downstairs, three and a half upstairs. I, it was, it was exhausting, but in like the best way ever, they had Bob Dylan's suit from Masked and Anonymous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, I want that suit. You know, was, I would do anything to touch that suit. And, it was, and, and then, oh, I have to talk about the Masked and Anonymous thing. <laughs> have you ever heard the story by Larry Charles about how that came to be? The yeah,
0: and, uh, yeah. Well, he originally was pitched as a TV show to HBO. Okay. And then then he got the deal. And like the minute he got the deal, he's like, I don't want to do it anymore now.
1: <laughs> so I had I, I never heard that story. And recently my friend who got me into Dylan, my friend Josh, he 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 sent me, he's like, you have to listen to Gilbert Gottfried's uh, podcast from a couple of years ago. He has Larry Charles on these great Dylan stories. So of course I did. And then when I got to the museum, they have a video of Larry Charles telling the same story. Mm-hmm. And... And I love mass anonymous. I saw it in the theater. I, I know it's, you know, it's weird and not good as far as movies go, but I, he's,
0: it you know, it's like my favorite version of
1: Dylan being. So that
0: version, you know, I saw it um, in the theater and I was the only one in the, in the theater at the time.
1: <laughs> really? Yes. Your buddy that goes to shows with you didn't even go with
0: you. No, no, that was, it was like, I I had like a brief moment to see it and it was like, I was working from home at that point. So I was, you know, I was home during the day. I was like, I'm just going to go. And I went and I was the only person in the theater.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. I would have, <laughs> I would have to. I, I think there were like a handful of other people when I saw it. But I don't think they enjoyed it as much as I did. Um,
0: I'm sure they anyway.
1: Don't. So there's, there's incredible archive stuff. You know, I, I'm probably missing stuff that I, that I wanted to mention, but you know, now that I'm just excited and talking about it, I, I can't remember, but. You know guitars um photograph seen photographs i 'm um, just looking at the arcade the 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 t shirt that only the crew got from rolling thunder oh man and and along this were sort of stories of oh there were bags of fan mail that was really that was a really cool one, and also oh, there was a bunch of stuff from the Beatles, um which was really sweet that you got to see he had letters right from, from the George Beatles, Harrison
0: and stuff. Yeah.
1: And, but also from the other three, they loved him hmm. too. And, huh. you know, Paul has, you know, speaks very highly of him and, and vice versa. But like, you see a Christmas card from John and Yoko. Um, and on the Christmas cards that George, there are two from George. There's one from Paul, one from Ringo and one from John. And there's two from George from various times in their career. Um, and other correspondence, there's stuff from traveling willowberries. George wrote on one of his Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas, because I think that's how the Brits say it, and then he wrote Happy Harmonica too, and wrote a, and drew a little Jewish star, <laughs> and he spelled Harmonica with a K. And I was like, <laughs> that's so sweet. And on his other um, his other card, he he had he had written like all these religious symbols, including a Jewish star, and it was just like George is so sweet and inclusive, like you know, you know, like I just I love that. Like Bob probably mostly celebrates Christmas with his family at that point, but it was just, you know, he George is like, made me appreciate that relationship more. There's a lot about that, about them, you know, at each other's houses and recording. It, it was just exhaustive. And, and finally, the last little thing is a, um, a little movie screening room where they have a uh, sort of a, uh, an, like an unseen footage from a performance from early like 62, like from a movie that he was asked to do just the music from mm-hmm. uh in, in like 1961 or 62. Um and then uh and you know a, a, a restored HD version of one of the songs from Hard to Handle with with Petty. Um and lastly oh, there's some stuff from 62. And then the last thing was they were talking about they're doing a major restoration project of all of the footage from 66 from the the world tour that Bob took for his movie that DA Pennebaker tried to use that that eat the document, oh, document, eat the document. yeah 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 and they're restoring it all wow. and they showed some of the snippets of it it's incredible um you know that's like a period that I don't really go back like I love those bootlegs but I don't really go back and listen to them other than like play it fucking loud just because i get a kick out of that but Mm. but it it, like there were like it sounds like you know they made like how peter jackson made get back (laughs) it sounds like they're working on the center is working on on that kind of thing for the center of that period of the world tours from 66 and so it was just like a what a way to end and i was just i walked downstairs and and uh one of the people working there gave me a hug and like oh my goodness Took me hand by hand, like through the whole merch section and took pictures of me with every single <laughs> Dylan thing and like gave me some guidance on what to do. So, you know, Rob, I'm a kind of a t-shirt addict when it comes to, especially yeah, when it comes to yeah. concerts. And yep. so I really had to restrain myself. They had beautiful new exclusive shirts that you can only of, get. I,
0: of course they
1: did. <laughs> At the Bob Dylan Center, that's say Bob Dylan Center. So, and I wanted all of them. There's like a gorgeous Rolling Thunder one, you know, all kinds of ones. So I went with Bob Dylan and Allen Ginsberg, um, cause I thought that was a cool, cool one. And so I got to have some of my tribesmen on, uh, (laughs) on one shirt. I bought that book Dylan by Schatzberg and then some other like tchotchkes, you know, like a magnet, a pin for my, for my G jacket. Um, I wanted to buy everything and I just, I restrained myself. I spent $107. Like, I I felt like that was, I kept it, like, pretty reasonable. (laughs) Okay, all right. So, you know, like at a Dylan show, you might spend more if you get a couple shirts, right? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, you can drop 100 really easily. Uh, Okay, all right. Now, I have a couple things I got to ask you, Henry. I got to take a breath. I'm going to ask you a couple of things. Sorry. No, 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 no. So, first of all, is there a sort of authorial voice through this thing where there is like, there's somebody, there's some description of what it is that you're looking at, or is it all just you discovered for yourself? Is it like, is there a thing that says times era are 1963, he recorded this, bah, 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 and then there's the interactive part, or is it all interactive and it's, there is no kind of omniscient narrator guiding you through this whole thing?
1: there's no omniscient narrator. So like the, the, the audio thing it's, you have to touch your iPod to spots where they have a little icon. So they have something to say about that thing. Gotcha. Okay. So it is, it is self-directed in a way. And some people were not using the audio guides. You know, I thought, you know, I I was like, it was the first thing I asked. I'm like, they're like, yeah, you need it. Um, But some people were just moving their way through it. I would say if I didn't have the audio guide, I don't think I would have spent three and a half hours at the archive.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. Um okay. But
1: there's no, but there's no like Morgan Freeman voice narrating the whole thing. Like it's like individual sort of little like sub exhibits of like, like you said, like times are changing. You touch the thing it says, and you might, yes, you might hear a voice of, um of like, there's like Bill Pagel's stuff is in there is all over the archive. Like this was, that, that was interesting that Alison talked about too, which I really got that like this strange relationship with bootlegs and the mm. fans, like they have an awesome video of groom still waiting at the altar performance with Mike Bloomfield. Um, and it was Bloomfield's like last performance. Like before last he performance. Died. Yeah, And it was, yeah. a, it was, and it was filmed by Bill Pagel, like wow. he was up in the stands and they have it there in the audio. They clean up the audio and it's great. Um, So there was, there was, there was footage from real live, not of tangled up in blue of simple twist of fate, um, Mm. which made me kind of appreciate that weird version even more. It was grainy, but it was there. Like they used, so they use audience stuff. So like that stuff kind of guides you through it. And then, and that makes you feel like you're guiding yourself, but, and you feel vindicated. Like I felt not you, I felt vindicated when there was something I knew, like I was nodding in approval, like, yes, I know that. It was great. And at the same time, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Or um I was I've always wanted to see this. I've always wanted to hear this. And so yeah, that that that's that's a great question.
0: Yeah, I guess that I was just sort of curious. And that that's you know, thematically it makes sense that it would be more do it on your own, because that you know, that sort of fits in with the whole right. aesthetic that he's had. So um the other th- one other thing I wanted to ask is how much of, uh, you mentioned like the George Harrison, like the Christmas cards or the Happy Harmonica and stuff like that. How much of it, of it is, um I, I guess, like humorous? Because, you know, as George Harrison himself said, Bob is so funny, but he's not known for that. Uh How much of, like, it, what is the tone of the whole place? If there is one, is it is it a little museum-y or is it more... Light, not lighthearted. That's not really the I right term. But saying. is it is it just more kind of scrappy and interactive rather than kind of heavy? A little of like this is important. That kind of thing. It feels
1: like a Jack Frost produced album, and what I mean by that is it is crisp and clean and pristine, but it also has heart, and it mm-hmm. has a the content, it, the presentation is. Like I said, crisp and clean. The content is gritty and tangible and whimsical. Like I said, part of it, it feels like one of those awesome science museums. Like that, you know, like in Chicago, we have the Museum of Science and Industry and it's fun for everyone. It's, you know, Indianapolis, Indianapolis has an amazing science uh, museum. Philadelphia does. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's like those in that, but you're getting Dylan. Um, so like in the way that you said, like, is it funny? Like when they show funny things, everyone's mm-hmm. la everyone laughs. So like the intentional inclusions of like him totally trolling the um, reporters in the 60s, much like the Beatles did, like it's hilarious. How and- many folk
0: singers are there? Uh, 37, <laughs> I think. <Yeah.
1: laughs> right. Like they show that stuff intentionally and there are things when you're just on your you know, sort of solo journey that are funny too. Like you get to see snippets. Oh, there's a whole thing. There's a whole section from Joker, man, a whole part about the Letterman um, performance where they interview the Pugs, is that the name of the band plugs yeah the the plugs plugs. they interview them and they're funny like talking about it like they're basically exactly what like what you think it is like they didn't expect this thing to happen it happened it was amazing they didn't quite know what was going to happen on the spot um you know and 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 so there there is that like that sort of funny and uh unpredictability of Dylan's stuff in there. So yes, it is, it is funny.
0: Okay. Cause it's like, when I, when I think about Bob's records now, you know, whether the more recent ones, especially rough and Rowdy ways um, for all of their faults and they, they have faults, like they're all alive, you know, they're all alive. They feel like it's, yeah. it's, it's and that's what I'm, when I finally see the place, that's what I want to come from. The center is that same feeling of, this is a vital, a live thing it is not just as as kind of we could be natural a museum piece you know it's it's not and that's what i want more than anything else from the experience when i finally get to go
1: no even the things locked away behind glass it's not this is where it's unlike the rock and roll hall of fame mm. or the country music hall of fame i don't know if you've ever been to the either i've been to the but, rock and roll one yeah okay so the country the rock and roll hall of fame sucks in what it's amazing but it also sucks because you can't take pictures and you can't touch anything Mm -hmm. obviously i'm not i don't expect to touch bruce springsteen's jacket but like the way that because the things that are behind glass while you're looking at them there is an inter there's something interactive happening so it doesn't feel it feels like it's constantly evolving and changing like i can't say enough about this um, about this dylan notebook from tangled up in blue that's what that's the type of stuff that feels like they they have the notebook also up there just, just behind glass and the page can't sure. turn the pages and sure 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 so the so there like you said with with the, like the Jack Frost albums the most recent albums like every time you listen to them they feel like they were just recorded and yeah. the the fact that he wants to record them live shows in the work like he knew better uh in that case um so it feels like it there and just knowing what I told you that like th- there is an intention to move stuff through and that it is that there's also on the, on the second floor in the archive, there is a lot li- like a library reading room with tons more. You can look at.
0: Oh really? That, there's a, there's an actual reading library in there,
1: but it's by appointment only.
0: Okay. All I right. But still, that. I still didn't know that we'll going in. So
1: I would say like, if you, uh, this was the other thing you probably, I did in one day cause I'm insane. When you go, if you can do two, do two days, okay. Um, okay? Because then you also get to go to what he got through, which I, I can just speak very briefly about um, in in a sec, but because it's important too. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say about about the um, the center is uh, I wasn't disappointed, but there were areas of his life I wanted to know more about, and I mm-hmm. hope I hope that they will expand more and. I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to you as a surprise to you that the, those things are like Dylan's relationship to Judaism, for example, both mm-hmm. then and now, like, you know, I, I've, you know, we've all seen, you know, the program from his bar mitzvah. It's adorable. Um, but I want to know, like, there is, there is a very respectful and, um, Honest way in which they approach the the Jesus period, where they present it as like they tell the story where, and they have all the quotes from him multiple times. Where I was sick one night and I was playing a show, and someone threw a cross on stage. And I usually right. don't take the stuff on from stage, but I put it in my pocket. And then the next night I was sick as a dog, and I took out the cross and da da da, and supposedly found Jesus. So you know we've talked about this before when you had me on talking about the Chabad telethon, like. That's a touchy subject for me personally and for many Jewish Dylan fans I know. And, and it, you know, it feels there is a part of me, like deep inside of me, that feels a little bit of betrayal in that. <laughs> um, and, and then the way it ends though, they're like, and then, you know, and then he wrote Shot of Love and then the next album, what like he, he just kind of, the way it, the way they present the, 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 the Christian stuff ending is, so, they, they it sort of comes in with a bang but they show it and they kind of present it ending with a whimper like it's just sort of like and then he wasn't like he just did other stuff he was he moved on <laughs> to other things right, okay. and that's true but i want to know the why like we have every little minutia of detail about the you know 1962 1961 to 1975 or whatever but mm-hmm. like what happened like I know stories from Louis Kemp and from people I know in Jews I know in Minnesota that supposedly he got hooked up with Chabab and they quote unquote brought him back to Judaism, whatever that means. And, you know, there's all these like apocryphal things. I would like to know like what really sort of ended it, you know, was, you know, did he think religion was oppressive and the way Christianity, you know, has presented itself in, in, you know, society over centuries? Maybe that to him, for, to him, that was, I don't know. Like, I just want to know what the reason for that was. So that was the only p- part that I was sort of not disappointed, but hopeful that I'll learn more. Gotcha. Uh, uh,
0: okay. Well, that, that is actually, that fair? yeah, you yeah, know, well, that inspires another thing I, I was kind of okay. curious about is, does it give you much, if any at all details? And I'm not necessarily suggesting that if it doesn't, that I want these things. I'm just curious if it did, does it give any much space devoted to his personal life like would you if you didn't know what all stuff like well I mean look there's no way you can't mention that he was married to Sarah Lowndes from 1966 to 19 whatever 1977 whenever it was finalized but like if you didn't already know it would you know that he got married again in the 80s to you know I mean like yeah does it does it does it mention his children like does it get into any of personal life That doesn't obviously directly butt up against the work itself, only within the context of the work. So, for example,
1: going into depth on the motorcycle crash, they do talk Mm -hmm. about it. Woodstock, Isle of White, uh, New Morning, right? Right. Um, They talk about that more so than I've seen. Like, there's footage from Isle of White. There's, which is so cool there's a sorry there's a lot of stuff with george harrison um and there's you know explanations of him, you know and him wanting to be a dad he bob was a dad now and they never they don't i don't think they mentioned the kids by name hmm. um and like i even jacob Jesse, again or. i'm not
0: even i'm not even saying i want that i was just sort of yeah they don't like they don't it's it there's nothing it. about like
1: his daughter marrying peter himmelman there's like nothing like that um gotcha gotcha they, huh. i don't i don't even know i don't even know if i remember seeing other than like maybe a credit on a picture, Sarah Lone's
0: name, you know, or gotcha, yeah, Suze Rotolo, yes, they show her a bunch. Right. Um, sure, I mean, we that see that's exactly that's a perfect example. Joan. She has to be in it because she's on the record album cover. I mean, there's no it's way to on, yeah, uh, it's you know. not the way you think. It's not. It's gotcha. only
1: like you said, only in relationship to the um to the work. So gotcha. Okay. In the way that they present, Blood on the Tracks, Rolling Thunder View, Hard Rain from Rolling Thunder in relationship with the the ending of that, yes. But even that is mentioned very briefly. So no, nothing no and, and no, the, the marriage to Carolyn Dennis isn't even mentioned. Gotcha. Um at all. Uh right. so there seems to be like maybe, you know, so again, maybe this is, you know, maybe that, like I said, the Jewish stuff is part of Bob's personal life that it's not none of my business. Who are you, Henry Bernstein, to think that I, you know, that I should tell you this, like, I'm just a, I'm just a little a nice Jewish boy who heard from a friend at camp that their aunt had Passover Seder with him. Okay. So that's, <laughs> that's why I want to know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think the so the personal stuff does seem, and, and I think you're right. I don't, it it didn't, I didn't miss it and I didn't, I was other than that piece that I mentioned, I wasn't concerned about it or curious about it until you mentioned it. Like, right. I, I wasn't like, Oh my God, where, like, where are the pictures of him with his kids where, you know, I want to know where, right. And, I, right.
0: and I'm saying, I don't necessarily yeah. really want even to see those things. Cause that's not any of my business. I was just sort of curious. So, okay. I have one other question. It's incredibly, pedantic, but I, I have to ask it anyway because I'm just curious. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel so dumb for asking this question. Okay. Is there a cafeteria in this thing? Like are you once That's you're an, there, are you are you are you kept there or is there reasons to leave, go get something to eat and come back kind of thing?
1: That is an amazing question <laughs> because I love museum cafeterias. Me, me
0: too. <laughs> me Do you too. really? Yes <laughs> I I I am my my fiancé is convinced that I was born in the 40s because I, I had a lot of life in the 40s because I love everything about cafeteria, like any of that kind of stuff. Uh, if, if you know, ever
1: come to Chicago, I'll take you to the Art Institute of Chicago's cafeteria. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> I, I,
0: I am just too young to have ever gone to the Automat. Uh. Uh, the, cause the Automat came and went and my, my, my right. siblings got to go to the Automat because they were old enough. And one of our relatives would take them there, but I just missed it. And I, I, I am nostalgic for a period of time that I never experienced. So I'm always fascinated, but I mean, it's a silly question, but I'm more just sort of curious, like once you get there, is the center kind of like, all right, stay here all day or do you have reasons to go out? Oh, it's not. Okay. All
1: right. So, so there's no cafeteria. There is a basement floor. They're just bathrooms and offices and storage rooms. And oh my God, did I want to like poke around there? It looks I was like, like, the
0: last scene in Raiders of the Lost Star.
1: Oh my, God. yes. Right, right. Like just the rows of like, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Everything stenciled
0: on the side, Rolling Thunder review. Yeah. Oh, mercy.
1: You know, like <laughs> yeah. I Down uh, in the groove.
0: You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, so like you know, lock doors that say staff only. I'm like, oh come on. So uh,
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, there's no cafeteria. They said I'm like, I asked them, I'm like, what do I? Do? I'm like, I'm here for one day. What should you do? They're like, generally people take a break for lunch and come back.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So
1: I didn't do that. I packed like a couple <laughs> like protein bars in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I didn't want to muscle through it. this. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to get like sleepy in the sure, afternoon, sure, sure. you know, I was tired from traveling and, you know, and I just, I wanted to, and I didn't want to feel anxious while I wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. like, what if they close, you know? Um, So yeah, they encourage people to leave and come back. Gotcha. They, they tell you that flat out. Um, But that's why I would say you, you probably need two days there. Most, most people, it seems like are saying two days. The I'll just say quickly, the Guthrie Center is lovely. It actually seems smaller. Um, but there are some also cool interactive things. There's a VR where you sit on his porch and wow, the you experience the Dust Bowl moving through. <laughs> it's like terrifying. Yeah. Um, and they're like explain and you hear like voiceovers of interviews about the Dust Bowl. It was it's incredible. Um, there is an exhibit of like all of his stuff. There's like, like I got to see his guitar, his mandolin, which as a mandolin player really excited me. Um, Pete Seeger's banjo was there and they have special exhibits. And this particular special exhibit was Bruce Springsteen live. So I, you know, I'm a huge boss fan and I've seen him live in a bunch of times and came to him late in life. And so that was exciting seeing, you know, Max's drums, drum, drum kit mm-hmm. And, Bruce's guitars and work shirts that he wears and just like all that stuff. I did it all in about 20 minutes. And then there's a movie in a, in a nice theater. Um, So I sat down and watched the, what he got through movie. And then it was time. And then they said, we're sorry. It's time to close. Like, and they knew I came in and I'm like, I'm here for 30 minutes. I'm sorry. Uh, I bought a, this machine kills fascists t-shirt and I left and I went and got dinner and (laughs) went to sleep and got to the airport at 5. AM the next morning for a 7. AM flight.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: okay, man.
0: <laughs> Whew, that is I mean, I'm I'm very I'm very jealous. I, I really do want to see this thing. And uh uh again, I now I've talked to you and I've talked to Robert, and I talked to Allison and and uh you know the reports have been very glowing about it. So uh that makes me that, that that it heartens me that it that it's as good as what I would want it to be as what he deserves. Uh and the the the, the idea that it's one percent of what they've got is Oh my god. That yeah. yeah, that is just like the mind reels, and like, what is then? What's there? What's out there that we have? I mean, it's, 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 right? Like it blew my mind. Like so, the like I said, it was
1: it was chimes of chimes of freedom, like Rolling Stone, man and me, tangled up in blue, Joker man, and not dark yet were the six sort of small exhibits. And mm. they said that's going to change out. And I'm thinking like, why? <laughs> like mm. six of the best. Songs. But yeah, of course. You've like,
0: got you 495 know. other ones to, you know, <laughs> to highlight. exactly,
1: you know, dig deep or give us the hits. Either one is fine. Mm. You know, um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I can't wait for you to go, Rob. I, oh, yeah. It's, it's really a special. It's really spiritual, magical, um, interesting educational like I would take my kids there even as little ones because there's plenty of room to run around and like they're not uptight there it's not like an art museum where you're afraid you're gonna you know push over right yeah something like it's just they want like there were there were kids there no one like little like my kids but it it was and they seemed truly appreciative that like I came from far like Mm -hmm. and i ran into like uh i was wearing as you know i put on twitter what t-shirt should i wear and uh, you know rob yours was in the running but i just worn it the week before uh so i wore i debuted definitely dylan and someone came up to me and said hey do you know laura tent (laughs) shirt i was like actually i don't know her personally but he's like, i have that shirt too i'm you know whatever so he and he came from new york like that people come people will come um <laughs> to quote field of dreams on the night of the field of dreams game <laughs> so uh you know and i think in i don't think it's going away anywhere and the fact that it's bobs house for his stuff like i'm sure you know uh he's he the a, a good portion of it is being funded by him you know mhm um,
0: so all right. Very cool. Again, well, I feel like we could, maybe could have done a whole show just on this. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh because I mean, again, I, I have other questions that I want to ask you, but, but yeah, we will. This is, this is just something have I've got to get. Have a one more? Um, all, right, all right. Okay. Okay. We'll do, we'll do one more. All right. Um, what is, the, what, what is your favorite thing? Or maybe you don't have to your favorite, but what was something that you learned? while you were there that you straight up didn't know? Like whether it could be a small thing, a big thing, just something that you immediately were like, I I did not know. And I don't mean like a piece of footage that you haven't seen, but I just mean like a a, a factoid, just something that you went, I I did not know that.
1: Gosh, that's a great question. Cause there were like, Sort of micro things, or like I've never seen that. I've never a factoid that I learned. I mean, obviously,
0: like the song from "World Gone Wrong" is one of those things that,
1: right, right. I, like I know the, of
0: songs that are out there that I've never heard. But then when they mentioned that song, I was like, I've literally never even heard that he did that. You know, that was right. Like, that's new information to me. That kind of thing. So,
1: right. Um. Yeah, there were things that were like. I mean, I guess mostly the types of things would be like things I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to things I learned, but I, okay, here's one. I didn't know that Bob Dylan had a motorcycle crash in Minnesota before his motorcycle crash in, uh, in, in Woodstock. I didn't know when, that. When did was you that?
0: Know that? When, no, I did not. He was
1: a young man. He was a teenager and he was riding with his friends and he went, a, he almost got hit by a train. His, he was going across train tracks and his bike kind of something happened. And so he knew instinctively to like wipe out on the other side of the tracks and the train went by like, and like one of his buddies is like, there's a video of him, not Louis Kemp, but one of his other friends, like maybe from his band when he was a, a kid, you know, that, uh, you know, around when he saw Buddy when he was a teenager, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, It was around then, uh, like show was on. It's like this was right here. This was the spot. Da da da. And it was in, it was in the part where they were ta- sort of talking around the motorcycle crash. But they like, they're like, it was sort of like, actually, this wasn't his first
0: motorcycle crash. So <laughs> Bob, stop, I did stop not stop know motorcycles. Bob, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, 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 what are you trying to do? Okay. <laughs> the world could have been denied. Uh, you know, with, with one of the great musical careers uh, ever in, in recorded history uh, if not for uh, that train going a little too slow. Good Lord. But yeah, I never read that. I've read I've read I've read uh, two dozen books on the man and I don't recall I ever reading that. So, OK, I know. And, and, right. and, you know, I
1: haven't I haven't really read Louis Kemp's book. Like maybe it's in there. Like, I don't know. There's something about the way he wrote it seems a little tell all e and mm. not. With and you know, and they not with Dylan's permission. That so, mm-hmm. I'm like I've, I looked at excerpts, excerpts. So it's there in the reading room. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was like a, a little tidbit I learned. <laughs>
0: okay, all right, fair enough. Like I said, Henry, we could go on and on. Yeah, about this, and like I said, I really can't wait to go and then kind of have other people like you back on because then I can speak to it more directly as opposed to just asking you. I can be like, oh, what about the you know? Oh, I saw this thing, whatever. Uh, I will say, I just for the sheer like sort of shits and giggles of it. They should have a theater in there. That's just running Ronaldo and Clara. 25%. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? I know. They,
1: they talk about that a lot, like about how it was four nights only, basically because it was out of theaters immediately. Like you had to, and people were like, you know, writing about it. Like there were like things like, Oh, I was there that night. You know, like, it, it's, yeah, there is, they should. I mean, there, I actually wish that the theater that's in the Woody Guthrie Museum was actually in the Dylan one because the Dylan one is like very small. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna, there is room to move in the space. Like, I think they're gonna, I think the, uh, the archive is set on the wall. It's, you know, it's mix and match. It's take in and take out. But everything else seems seems to be movable, and so okay. on the second floor. And so, I think there's, I think it's like you're like I got on their mailing list. Like I think I'm going to get an email that says like exhibit, you know, Dylan 1966 exhibit, you know, or something, you know, like is gonna is gonna happen. So
0: it's really smart of them to have it that way because that way you want to come back because if you feel like you've seen it all, exactly. I've seen it, you know. But if you know it's constantly right. changing
1: right like you know like I I you know I went to Disneyland a bunch of times as a kid, but like as an adult like oh cool, now they have all the Star Wars stuff I want to go on the Millennium Falcon and take my son on it and then like next year we'll go back and we'll go to Avengers Academy like it's mm. it, it it what I mean what I said on Twitter I was like it was it was like D- Disneyland for Dylan fans, but better <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and 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 I'll just give it I know you're gonna ask me where to find me later, but i'll I'll say like on Twitter. I, I gave a very detailed um, account. I d- I've never done a thread before like that um, with pictures and video. And so if you want to, if you're curious about seeing this before you see it, maybe you don't want spoilers. This is a spoiler heavy thread at Gonzo three, two, four, nine. Like I put it all out there and I think mm-hmm. I'm going to make like a longer, like really nice video on YouTube or something of my experience there. But it it's,
0: it's all up there for you to see if you're curious so okay all right okay so <laughs> we're gonna put that aside we're gonna put that aside for now and then we're gonna talk about a song and <laughs> you got to talk about the thing we were ostensibly here to talk about which is as i said at the top of the show which was about four hours ago lonesome day blues from love and theft let me jump right in henry why this one why would you want to the you this was i asked you hey why don't you come back pick a song. And this was like your first thing out of the gate. So why this? It's, you know, every time I come on, I'm like,
1: I can't believe this song hasn't been done before. I mean, you did have me on for a, a re a redo or whatever I've revisited. Um, but I'm like, how did this never, son-? this is one of those songs for me. I'm a, I'm, I love, this is the period of time of Dylan time that got me into Dylan. Like I started listening to him as, and I know for, some of the people older than me that still sound insane, like I started listening to him intensely the summer of 2000. Mm-hmm. So, in after time out of mind before Love and Theft, and I was a sophomore in college when Love and Theft came out, I was in my dorm room, I went to class the morning of September 11th. They had it on the screen and they said, Sent us all home and said, If you have anyone in New York, call them. And then I spent Most of the morning on the phone calling my brother and other people I knew that were in New York watching the news like everyone else was on September 11th. All of our classes were canceled. I was at Indiana University. Like it was (laughs) like it's not like it was anywhere near. But, you know, everyone canceled everything that day. And then I was once I knew everyone was safe. I went to the records door
0: and bought <laughs> Love and <Fab>. so <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like i've mourned enough i'm now going to i mean I, yeah I,
1: I don't want to say that i don't know if that was inappropriate but like i was really excited about buying my first dylan album of a new album and so i have a special place in my heart for that album and this is the standout like, you know this in mississippi and maybe that banger of an open twiddly dumb are, are, are standouts for me on that album. I am uh, one of the things I love about the Jack Frost era of Bob Dylan is the, the, the blues that he does. Um, I love, you know, I think it's, a, it's, it always is one of the better parts of his live show are the blues songs mm. um, and the tightness in which his band plays them and where they are so tight he can move around um, however he wants in them. Um, I just love, I'm a sucker for 12 bar bars, 12 bar blues. I'm a, I'm a blues fan. And I think, you know, no one sings Dylan like Dylan. I think no one sings the blues like Bob Dylan. Mm. And especially the like heavy rock type blues. You know, like I love on modern times. I love thunder on the mountain and someday baby. So um so i just i've always loved this song and i i, I yeah i wanted to talk about it
0: <laughs> all right yeah i mean uh engineer- i've never talked
1: about it with anyone other than my my friend josh who
0: mentioned like i just really love this song and love this album I'm, absolutely yeah i was gonna say engineer the engineer for this record chris shaw said in an interview that this was the first song recorded for love and theft and i'm like can you imagine the energy level of a recording session by starting off with this, just ba ba like that. Just me. I mean, I remember getting this record and listening to it and it's not that there aren't some fast hard driving songs before the summer days, you know, obviously, but when, the, when you get to this one, you're just like, Whoa, like it's like they are just like pounding the shit out of this song. Yeah. And uh, I have not, I don't know if there are other takes of it. I have to assume there are, uh, we've not heard them. Uh, to this point the only other version that got released was on telltale signs which was a live version but right. uh as we know with these others like there must be at least some other takes somewhere i don't but uh, we've yet to hear them maybe there will be a love and theft bootleg series at some point or some jack frost kind of thing but so the one we the one we know is the one we have from the record and it, yeah it just it's so pounding right from the very beginning and I mean again, I, I quoted the, you know, the the first verse, which is the I'm just sitting here thinking with my mind a million miles away. First of all, I always love it when you've got another Dylan song buried inside of another song. Yeah. He's got a million miles. Like, okay, well, that's from a couple yeah. of years ago. Okay. And I feel like that opening is what after listening to this song a bunch and trying to figure out what's happening in it and not being able to figure it out, I go back to that first verse and I'm like, okay, this is just a guy on his porch and his mind is wandering. Yeah, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, and then all these random bits are coming to him, and that's what he's singing about, but it doesn't have any real through line. And once I sort of reconciled that for myself, it wasn't like I didn't enjoy the song before, but once I got that, I was like, oh, I stopped trying so hard to, like, figure out what it meant. It was just, okay, this is just this old guy ruminating about all the various things that have been going on, and it's done to this incredibly hard-driving beat.
1: I... I looked it up in a few places. Like I was looking at um gosh, one of the books I have that I got, I, I'm blanking. I met this person at a, the, the rough and rowdy show in Milwaukee. I got him a ticket. He's a Dylan writer. I think his last name is Bream. He gave me his book. I'm so sorry. I can't think of it right now. The name of it. I'm just drawing a blank. But anyway, he goes album by album in it. And he quotes one of the reviewers or something said something in the effect of like the sadness that, and heaviness that time out of mine has, which is wonderfully sad and heavy and not sad, but like melancholy, right? It's, it's you
0: know, sad. Amusing on his guess. sad yeah. it's sad
1: Yeah. This sort of the idea that this is the first song they recorded this sort of this album, you can hear it like sort of lifts out of that sort of depths and into life. It's spring. This album springs into life. And the fact that this is the first, album song they recorded like I, I also read another thing about oh oh the, no i didn't read this i saw this at the at the at the place that like the their dylan had a different vibe than lenoir did recording the other stuff and like right. you know they famously didn't see eye to eye on things and the the recording that like when he comes in with mississippi to this recording session of love and theft it just worked because he was producing the band and they played it live and there's just, th- this is the most livey feeling album. I think of all of those, of those, um, I think, I th- think more so than modern times and more so than any the ones in between rough and rowdy ways. And that's not a criticism. It's just my own feeling and observation. Like you said, it punches, it's like it, it, it packs a punch and like tweetedly D de- and dumb. Um, Summer days. Right. And then, of and you know, then of course there's like po' boy floater, um,
0: high water and then high, know, high water, and, right. Yeah.
1: Which live high water is like, uh, kind of, kind of brings you up. It's like a, a, kind of a showstopper. So yeah, there's something like life breathing, about this about this album and about this song in particular and the lyrics are fun he's -hmm. having fun here you know you talked about earlier about that sort of is it funny is it fun like the the there are you know his cultural references in this there's a whole section in the wikipedia page about lonesome day blues about it, he said, the line Samantha Brown lived in my house for about four or five months. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how it looks, but I never slept there even once. Our paraphrase from Junji Sagas Confessions of a Yakuza, right? And then Michael Karolowski argues in the in the Dylan song what the songs mean that Samantha Brown is a reference to a popular host of a number of television programs on the Travel Channel beginning in 1999, and that actually seems plausible.
0: To yeah, me that, that like, is Dylan's- such a random data point that I it's got to be true. It's Can't you see so him random. late at
1: night in a hotel yes, on the road completely. in 1999 watching the Travel Channel before he goes to bed or scribbling down lyrics? Absolutely. Like, yes. Like yes. what Larry Charles was talking about, about these little scribblings he had that he had that he would watch things on the bus or in the hotel. Like, that's so, so specific.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's got to just be true. It has to be. There's a, he's just throwing everything in. I mean. Uh, you, you mentioned like the Wikipedia page and it does get into it. mentioned some stuff that I did not know, obviously, because it talks about like, you know, the lines about I'm going to spare the defeat. I'm going to speak to the crowd is from the book six of Virgil's Anid or Anid. I'm not sure how you yeah. say that. Yeah. So then you've got, as you mentioned, you've got the Confessions of a Yakuza, which was a recent book. <laughs> and then you've got this travel channel hostess, uh, or host, excuse me. And then you've got, you've, then you've got something from classic classical literature. antiquity stuff. Yeah, Yeah, you get this classic Antiquity (laughs) stuff. I mean, it's just like, it's all over the place. And it's all, I guess we've said on other episodes, it's all just jumbled in his head and it's all alive at the same time. And it all just sort of comes out one way or the other, you know? And, uh, and as I mentioned again, I love that Chris Shaw says that
1: like, like you said, it really set the mood for the whole re- record. It really does. Oh my god, how could it not? How
0: could it's it? It's the not? middle of
1: the record, right? It's like yeah, track it's like six song five, yeah, yeah. right and in it,
0: it, squat in the middle of the record, yeah.
1: It's perfect. It's like perfectly placed. It, it would be a banger of an opener, but Tweedledee dum "Tweetily kind of kind of like brings you in slowly and then mm-hmm. builds, so which is nice. Um, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a banger of a track.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the summit, and the like you are building up to it. And then the the rest of the record is going down, not in a bad way, yes. but it's that kind right. of like it's like the top of a roller coaster.
1: Right. You know, you crank crank, right. crank, crank,
0: crank, 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 room, and then down. At point. <laughs> so, um, and the song goes on. He says, Welcome. They're doing the double shuffle. They're throwing sand on the floor. They're doing the double shuffle. They're throwing sand on the floor. Well, I left my longtime darling. She was standing in the door again, standing in the doorway. Seems like another paraphrase from, from you know, we've got two time out of mind paraphrases here in one song. And then when my pod, he died and left me. My brother got killed in the war. My sister, she ran off and got married, never was heard of anymore. And I, you'll say at the time when I got this record, you know, and obviously uh, I had had a chance to listen to it one time, all the or maybe twice, all the way through before the events of 9-11 unfolded, because I bought it at midnight that night. You and did, yeah. I went to Tower Records and went. They wow. had a midnight release party, and I went to. I, I was in line with other Dylan fans. They were there to get it, and I got it. And I I stayed up all night listening to the record, and I went to work the next day. And then all all hell broke loose. But I I remember thinking the line about my brother got killed in the war, and you know, again, we 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 never know what time period any of Bob Dylan songs ever take place in. Um, it's always some indeterminate, past. it almost I will say there's almost, I can't think of any sing, single Bob Dylan song that seems to take place in the future. Like, you know, there's not <laughs> one that you could plausibly say takes place in the future, but they're all in some right. indeterminate past. But some this the
1: multiverse, but no, none of the future. multiverse. Right. Yes. But there yeah. isn't any that
0: features anybody in a rocket car or anything like that. But the line about my brother got killed in the war. I remembered hearing that line at the time and going. What is he talking about? Like it, this seems like it's a contemporary thing. What war is he talking about? And sure enough, in what a year and a half, we were in a war, you know, right. and mm-hmm. I'm like, again, where is the, this guy's wire is just pointing ever north and he's picking up things that the rest of us are not picking up. Now, oh, of course, maybe that's uh, giving him too much credit, but it's, it's yeah. a line that in 2001 seemed purposely out of time. Yeah. And now a year, 18 months later, it's perfectly in line with what's going on. Well, I think there's a couple
1: things. Number one, this to me, and maybe it was just because when I was first starting heavily getting into him and just revolving my whole life around him <laughs> was, uh, I was 19. Like, it's like the perfect time that's to become obsessed with Bob. That's Dylan, when right? I
0: discovered him. So yeah, it's the oh, there
1: you go. Um, and my, like my nephew right now, is 17 and is obsessed like i'm like oh my god <laughs> you're you're perfect like we, we i went to visit him a few months ago in florida and we sat out and just he's like we were like playing all kinds of stuff together we were jamming and he's like he's like uncle henry can we play some bob dylan i'm like yeah <laughs> what are you it's all just,
0: falling into place <laughs> yeah we just
1: pulled up dylan guards and played everything anyway um this is the period of time i think of him like leaning dylan leaning heavily into this the sort of like both this like mixture of like cowboy plus blues man plus like period of time, like 40, 1940s references, like you know, like double shuffle, throwing sand on the floor, 1920s right. to 1940s. This sort of like um interest in 20th century Americana, right? Like, sort of heavily making that sort of per- his persona. Um, this album kind of feels that, that way to me, and at the same time. It has been well documented that this album very much so alludes to 9 11, the war. Perhaps, um, Tweedledee and Twee Dumb is about George W. Bush. You know, he's, he's been asked about that and, and that's been written about, um, uh, all kinds of things, you know, high water and then, you know, mm-hmm. then what happens to our environment and Katrina specifically a couple years later. Like it, it's this, this album has been written about prophetically. The seven, the sixties is timeless but he's reacting to something to something yeah. here it seems almost like i said prophetic yeah um and gosh i mean about, like you said like what to what war is he referring like it mm-hmm. you know it seems like he's talking when 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 you hear the words the war it sounds like he's talking about world war ii and obviously that affected him like you know my, my, my dad is exactly his age You know, it affected him in different ways. You know, he's um, but anyone who was of parents that you know were adults during the war experienced it. You know, and obviously, you know, the Holocaust ties into that for some. You know, and but so so I think I always think of it as like he's referring to the war as in World War Two. But if he's talking about a contemporary and his brother, and he's actually the age that he is, then maybe his his brother. I'm putting up my quotes. Figure died in Vietnam. Vietnam, right? like if, yeah. he's, if he's talking about something in the past, um, you know, and maybe it's just that Bob knows as he's writing, as it goes all the way back to blowing in the wind. Well, there will always be a time when we are at war, maybe, and maybe that's what makes the song so timeless.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, we're you know, it's hard not to take the word "war" in a literal sense that it's a war between countries but it could be a theological war it could be a moral war it could be just he's lost in some sort of pursuit uh it's a war for the spirit and it could be any of those things uh again you just you just don't know and then it said right after that then it moves into this goofy thing about samantha brown lived (laughs) in my house for four or five months don't know how it looked to other people i never slept with her even once and again you know well samantha brown if it's maybe who it's been suggested is a travel host well she stays in places for just a couple of months at a time maybe probably not even that long um it could be maybe that really happened maybe (laughs) so it also could be that the name samantha brown just has a sort of classic americana sounding to it yeah it's it's, it's a good it's, blues song name. It's a yeah, Samantha Brown. It's it's not complicated. It's you know very straightforward. And Three then the syllables in the first yeah, name, right? Exactly. One syllable in the last. So you can Brown is about as old timey American as it right. gets. Buster right. Brown kind of thing. But then I right. the don't know how it looked to other people. I never slept with her even once, which is such a <laughs> it's such a goofy line because you're like, you know, wait, is he is he is he defending that move? Is he is he sensitive about like, I don't, you know, like, is right. it sort of, you know, you don't, you don't even know what the perspective is. Is it like, right. is he ashamed that he never slept with her? Is it like, Jesus, One was in my house for four or five months, I never even slept with her. Is that a bad thing? Is it a good right. thing? I don't, you don't know. It's sort of
1: like, there's, you know, there's so many ways to look at it. Like on the one hand, is he being self-referential to his own, not as famous as other rock stars, but like mm. he's notoriously a, a womanizer and, You know, he certainly always had girlfriends, but he's also known for I mean, all the books talk about it, about his lust for women. (laughs) Right. So. um, So is he referencing that and the way in which people reported on that? Is he actually like saying like, like, um, is he being judgmental of tabloidism and right. paparazzi people commenting on that and him being like is and yes like you said is he being de-? and he's like maybe he's being defensive he's like look I never even some of there even once so yeah. stop talking about my shit you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and or <laughs> is it just a funny line because sometimes when you're writing the blues you just have to make funny shit that rhymes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know and he knows that he we, we know I think it's fair to say we know that he knows when he's being funny. Oh, completely. And, and yeah, completely. he knows it's a funny line. And like this is this is a fun song. Yeah. This is not <laughs> this is a fun blues song, right? Why is it called the blues when it makes you feel so good, right? Like it's this is a get up and dance song. And um and and so I think like having these, you know, like that that line probably gets a chuckle from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. I only I'm sure we'll talk about the live versions of this in a moment, but I, I i like i don't remember what the audience reaction was to that line but like there's always one of those lines that that gets a laugh um yep. it happened on the rough and rowdy ways tour i forget which which song it was but um yeah it's oh on the um on spirit in the water when he says you think i'm over the hill you think I'm past oh my right yeah right? Like there's stuff like that, so we I, can I, I, have a whopping I, I, good time, yeah. Right, like so, like maybe that—that's the purpose of that line, like to get a mm-hmm. pop from the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so he continues on the roads washed out, whether or not fit for man or beast. Funny how the things you have the hardest time parting with are the things you need the least. Now, that's again, that that yeah, uh, but it's also like, well, okay, is that are we are we now in a different part of the song? Are we referring to? Samantha Brown have we moved on to something Else again we just don't I don't know Because it seems like maybe it's referencing What's just occurred in the song That there was someone in his house That he Had a hard time breaking up With but you really didn't need her Around and maybe the evidence of that is that You never even slept together I, you know you just, Again it's it's all just like I don't I don't know I don't from first you might be I, yeah. in a different world every Verse in the song I, I think
1: I think We are Kind of much like tangled up in blue, I think we're experiencing. Well, maybe not much like tangled up in blue, but because I think we're experiencing the same person's story. But I think he's giving you chapters of his story. I think he's either. I think he's either sitting on a park bench reflecting, Hmm. or I think he's driving down the road reminiscing to either someone or his memory, and like we're getting like different little pockets of the story. Like um, that's, that's how I view it. Cause like, mm. even though God, just gosh, to think he was, this is, he was 60 then, you know, to me, yep. this is quote unquote old Dylan, but I know, and it's so <laughs> weird talking about this album being 21 years ago,
0: 21 like, years ago. <laughs> not,
1: like, What's like in 20? So when this came out, what was the album that was 21 years older than that?
0: Uh, uh okay. So 2001, in, uh,
1: New Morning or something. Or? Saved.
0: Saved. Okay. Saved. Saved. He right? was 21 so that, years old in 2000 That's like a different era, but
1: he's yep. been in this era in my mind. Like I think of Time and Amend a little bit that that sort of goes into the Oh Mercy era, but whatever. Yes. It, it crosses over.
0: This, this is definitely the, the beginning of the Jack tour, from- period. Yeah, this is definitely the beginning of the Jack Frost era, as we've come to know it. Because right, all it's the records have been produced Jack by Jack Frost, Frost at that yeah. point. Right,
1: right. It's both officially and sort of unofficially. So, yeah. but it's he's been in that period of time for 20 years. Like that's that's crazy. So imagine like the the other. I, he could write a million lyrics to this song, with, like that. It would be nothing. I mean, the way this guy has a rhyming dictionary. You know, he he was once told he has he has a qu- funny quote about he was once told about a rhyming dictionary he didn't know and and then that when he discovered it it made songwriting so easy for him he used <laughs> to like he used to like beat himself up over trying to find a rhyme
0: when did he talk about it i, I remember that quote i remember yeah. hearing blowing it might have been on mind. Theme, yeah.
1: maybe it was on theme time radio i don't know but yeah and now it's like there's rhymezone.com, you know <laughs> right. but anyway it's like it's i think it's like it's a good blues song that sometimes a blues song Like this twelve bar blues that's in first person, you know. I went down to the crossroads, tried to beg a ride, you know, kind Mm. of thing. Sometimes, and it's sort of one thing. Sometimes it's over. It's it's sort of it's autobiographical. I think, think we're hearing, you know, Jack Frost's, you know, life. This grizzled old guy who's been around the block and has seen some shit and has had a life of experience. He's telling he's you know. Come here, Sonny. Let me tell you all about it kind of thing. That's how I interpret Lonesome Day Blues. Because, right? Like, what do you do on a lonesome day? You sit around and reminisce maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it could be. Well,
0: well, it's it's funny. You just said that you feel like he could write a million different lines to this. And uh, that leads perfectly into the next verse. Because if you read the next verse on BobDylan.com, it's, I'm 40 miles from the mill. I'm dropping it into overdrive. Got my dial set on the radio. I'm telling myself I'm still alive. Yeah. But that's not what he sings on the radio. What record. does he sing? He yeah. sings, got my dial on the radio. I wish my mother was, mother still, was alive. still alive. Now, of course, had Beatty died yet? Yes. That's the thing okay. is that his mother had just passed yeah. away a year earlier. There you and go. And obviously mean, yeah. we're not, you know, it's not always, it's not smart to do one-to-one of like, okay, well, he's talking about his own life, but it's impossible. Yeah. yeah. to to pay that to as a thought that was going in his right. mind when he wrote that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I remember that. And I think yeah, I mean, he, he loved his mom. I mean,
0: he brought her with him to the Kennedy center honors, which I think is one of the sweetest things imaginable imagine getting to take your mom to a thing where you know the president and gregory peck are are there to give you an award like he even
1: took her to rolling thunder review while he was coked up out of his mind (laughs) and and
0: (laughs) sleeping with two
1: different women one of which was his wife one of which was his ex-girlfriend she was sitting (laughs) in the front row joking her out you know (laughs) so you know Yes. One to one. There is no way I, I refuse to interpret it any other way than especially because it's a lyric change. You got to think like maybe they recorded this like not that long after she died. Yeah. And maybe right. he was I, working stuff out. Maybe that was his he was, you know, who knows how, you know, maybe he maybe it was while he was sitting Shiva. I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like.
0: Yeah, I think it's very instructive that that line has been changed, uh, you know, the, the, for most of the song, it's the same song, except that line has been, has been changed. So I think, and why not change
1: it in the official lyrics? Why does that one get to stay? It, it's so odd, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so they continues on. I see your lover man coming, coming across the barren field. He's not a gentleman at all. He's rot to the core. He's a coward and he steals. Uh, this is then- the
1: best verse, I think, not the best, one of the best verses when it's live because he growls the whole thing and he's it's like, He's a coward and he yeah.
0: steals. He really runs right the core. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: it's like, and, and he does that thing he goes, that he does live, you know, He's a coward and he steals. Yeah, he really and, needs
0: to do it so bad. And really it's does. so
1: good because it's like, it's that thing that, like, during that period of time, I know we'll talk about the live stuff in a minute, that, like, He was criticized a lot for that growly, like not really singing. What was going on with his voice? Mm -hmm. But it works here. (laughs) All
0: right. So, okay. The next verse, I'm going to reveal something that I I feel uh, is going to embarrass me. But I, I, you know, this is a safe space. This is my own show. Confession Uh, time. So, okay. All right. So the next verse is, well, my captain, he's decorated. He's well-schooled and he's skilled. He's not sentimental. Don't bother him at all. How many of his pals have been killed? I think he's talking about his dick. <laughs> That's what I think he's talking about. That's about that, not, That's Bob Dylan, not Bob Dylan, but the guy, the narrator of the song. This guy, he, yeah. He's talking about his sexual prowess. My captain, wow. he's referring to his his junk. Yeah, his, he's little, his little captain. And he's skilled. Yeah. He's not sentimental. Don't bother him how much of it all, how many of his pals have been killed. And that could either mean... Other sperm. men, or sperm, or the <laughs> yeah. sperm that's been spread out across the land over the, the you know the maybe we just know one percent of what's out there. Uh, You know that. What's kind of the
1: thing. Uh, parental rating on this podcast? I, I know well, I've dropped I dropped I'm sorry
0: I, for anybody who's listening. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it clean, but I can't help it. The yeah. first, literally the first Amazing. time I heard that verse, I went that he's talking about is he's talking about sex. That's what he's talking well, about. Now,
1: I always looked at it as literal but I guess now I'll never see it that way
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Henry I can't I I know some people must be listening eyes, and then they're rolling their eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, I'm surely some people are going to be like are you out of your mind that's not what he's talking about. But I can't part of it is the it's not just the lines it's the tone of the whole song. Yeah. You know it's it it's so it's tongue in cheek the song Yeah is exactly. Exactly. Like I said it's fun. Yeah it's and it's so like preternaturally macho kind of thing that to me it's like well that's what the guy who's the narrator of the song would talk about you know he's talking about my captain he's decorated he's well schooled in his (laughs) field you know he's that kind of guy he's a guy that's bragging to people about the women that he slept with
1: i mean yeah i mean like literally on (laughs) literally in rough and rowdy ways he actually calls out his it's own member. exactly, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, I wonder yeah. if there are other, um, metaphors or allusions to his junk. In other, I have I've honestly never thought about it.
0: I, I have other ideas, but I won't get into it. All right, well, I that's for another, uh, embarrass myself enough Let's, for, for pods, Dillon after so. dark, Patreon. <laughs> yeah, <only>. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you're keeping $20 in your all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, so then he says, uh, last night the wind was whispering, I was trying to make out what it was. Uh, I was trying to tell, I was trying to make out what it was. I was telling myself, wait, hold on. I'm screwing it up. He says, last night, the wind was whispering. I was trying to make out what it was. I tell myself something's coming, but it never does. I'm sorry. The line breaks on the Bob. Don't yeah. Remember, it said they wrote it weird. I yeah. Know. They wrote it weird. Uh, I tell myself, so, but it again, I love the way he leans on that, but it never does. It just, mm-hmm. it's like almost like a James Bond villain kind of like he's just so overdoing it on the last line that it does become again, very comical.
1: Oh my God. Bo- John, you, I, I, sorry. Dylan as a James Bond villain is <laughs> might be your greatest pitch ever. Rob. <laughs> Book it. Call Larry Charles. Let's do it. You do it. Do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, again, it's, it's, and I love the way that these phrases are so long. And then the final line of any given verse is like two or three words, you know, that's, like I mean, then that's,
1: that's Dylan. The like, he like, waits when he's performing live, he like waits for like most of the chord progression to be done. And then he rams in the whole line.
0: Yeah. It's such a, it's here. It's like sort of written that way too. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to make up what it was, you know, and but it never does. Uh, And then he gets, I'm going to spare the defeated. I'm going to speak to the crowd, which we mentioned is from the, the, a need I'm going to spare defeated boys. I'm going to speak to the crowd. I'm going to teach peace to the conquered. I'm going to tame the proud again. I have no idea no idea what he's talking about but it sounds great (laughs) it sounds great it sounds it sounds powerful and strong and 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 standing up straight but again literally don't know what he's i
1: to me it always sort of struck me as like like the two verses are like sort of about different things like i'm gonna spare the defeated is not about the same thing as i'm gonna speak to the crowd Mm. and i'm gonna tame the proud like to me it seems like he's talking about performing for part of it and like Mm. In my mind, when I hear it, when he says boys, it to me it sounds like he's talking to the boys in the band.
0: Oh, totally. Um totally. Like, like I'm so
1: surprised to see it here written out because it feels like, you know, uh, I'm gonna spare the defeated boys. <laughs> I'm gonna speak to the you know, and, and I could see like Tony bopping and laughing or something. Um to that so that that's how that I don't I don't know what I'm gonna spare the defeated beats, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's a little non-secretary.
0: But again, like so much of it is is the tone, is the yeah. you know the the, yeah. the the that's what it is. And then so the song wrap, wraps up with, well, the leaves are rustling in the wood, things are falling off the shelf, things are the, uh, leaves are rustling in the woods, things are falling off the shelf. You're gonna need my help, sweetheart. You can't you can't make love all by yourself. Which again, <laughs> it's such a great kiss off line. Now again, is he back? She's like, oh you? yeah, watch me. Yeah, really. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so like, is he talking about Samantha Brown? Is he talking about somebody else? Like again, it's just it's all just so all over the place, but it all sort of hangs together again by the sheer manic level of the performance, and of course, the 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 band is just pounding away.
1: Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think it's Samantha Brown. I think it's someone. I think it's you know one of his many. You know, between what you said about the captain and Samantha Brown and. Um. Well, I mean, Samantha Brown, he never was, you know, he never did anything with, but anyway. Well, he said, um, well,
0: but, but maybe, maybe he did. You know what I mean? It's like, who knows? I, I, I
1: think like, again, it's, it's almost like this guy, this guy could be Jack Fate from Mass Anonymous. Like he could be sitting in prison telling these stories. I think it's, uh, it's, there's a little bit of everything in here. There's some, Uh, there isn't like intense drama in like a serious way, the way there is in cold iron, iron's bound, which we talked about. Um, And to me, for some reason, I, I, those two songs, like this is the, the crowning jewel on this album for me in terms of like songs, I just love and I can't explain why. And cold iron's bound is like that on the other on time out of mind. And so I always like think about these two together. And so, but there's like this, deep seriousness about those and violence. We talked about that too. Yeah. About that yeah. Song. This is like kind of not slapsticky, but it's like, it's sort of like you're watching an action movie and you know, everything's going to be okay. Like, like an action movie starring like a uh, Schwarzenegger or something. We're like, of course he's just going to win. And like, this guy is just, he's got a lot to say and he's had a great, some great adventures. He's going to tell you all of them here. And it's sort of like a mixture of all these things. I don't
0: know. Hmm. So I've seen people mention the the line about uh, the whether or not fit for man or beast. And right. people have said that that is a line from a W.C. Fields film. But I oh. while that is while that could be true, I don't believe that that film coined that phrase. I think it was a phrase in the culture. But at the same time, like I, what you're saying, it's like I could see that Bob is sort of slipping into that persona a little bit as a kind right. of like wc fields kind of guy i mean obviously this this record he's telling more jokes on this record than right. pretty much any other record he's done i mean direct right. jokes, knock knock jokes and silly dad jokes and right. it's that kind of again that old-timey slightly disreputable persona wc fields for those people too young to remember was a comedian and his whole thing was that he was kind of a drunk that was his right. whole big it and- was
1: dark the, the the themes and the and the sort of subject matter of the wc field stuff was really dark
0: yeah right exactly it was, so, it was it was not he was not like a family comedian i mean he couldn't be too dirty for 1930s but he was right. not he was for adults it was for it was adult humor right. uh and i can almost see again dylan slipping into that persona a little bit in this song and that it's you know he's talking about someone a woman who lived with him but he never even slept with her they, which is it almost got a, a little bit of a wc yeah. Fields kind of uh, you know tone to it in a certain way you you know who this
1: guy is he's the guy playing cards in the commercial for this album with tweedily dumb and tweedily
0: <laughs> ricky jay and, he's ricky jay in this thing or, he's, he's no he's, he's bob, he's, bob Dylan. He's, he's, he's the guy he's playing the, the guy okay.
1: he's that guy whoever's at the table with the the you know the uh starlet and the prostitute yep. and the yep. card shark and the You know, like he's this guy, like that. That's who I think of. Like, it's whatever situation that was in, like, that could have been a verse. That scene could have been a verse in the song. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. They showed Uh, that at
1: the the center. You can watch that. Oh, did they really? (laughs) And you can watch it. I watched it like seven times.
0: (laughs) That is such a weird little piece of, uh, you know, arcana. That right. shows up. I mean, you can find it on YouTube, but it's like other than well, otherwise, instead you just said it's at the center. It is kind yeah. of buried. Like I remember seeing it at the time and I'm like, then then years went by and I hadn't seen it. I'm like, did I make that up in my head? Or was there a commercial with Ricky <laughs> Jay where Bob's playing cards? I think there was, you know, and then you can say so you can find it now, but uh but uh did yeah. Did you see it on TV live or was it I had it must have. I mean, where else? this is two thousand one. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't pre internet, but it was, you know, pretty early internet. So I don't think I would have seen it on there. So I must have seen it on television at some point. Yeah. But I just remember I knew who Ricky J was. I was familiar with him and I remember seeing him in the commercials, just seeing Bob in that context was so fun. You know, just like, wow, look yeah. at this. Look at, they made a little commercial for the record. Like that's so cool. So, um, I, you know,
1: I think the- he really got a lot of confidence back and like come, he finally became comfortable in the skin after after the the time after the success of time out of mind just sure there you know he even writes about that discomfort in chronicles about that period of time no mercy and certainly you know he's sort of always not comfortable in his skin right like from a little boy in minnesota not feeling Mm -hmm. like you know trying to listen to the radio late at night um to you know being forced to be the 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 voice of a generation to and then of course this late 70s and 80s to early nineties were like, who was he? Who am I? Am I a, am I an aging rock star? Am mm-hmm. I a, what am you know? A, a, uh, am I a, uh, am I a folk singer? Am I, you know, am I Neil Young? Am I Mick Jagger? What am I? And <laughs> right. Or, or, none of these. And, 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 and then it just kind of feel like something happened where in many ways, the last 20 years has been a blossoming of Dylan being comfortable in his own skin, um just like the the way he struts out on stage wearing a big ass cowboy hat hmm. and s- like a sparkly line yeah, right his right. leg like yeah. what are you wearing but <laughs> right. like, you look awesome and the way he plays and he's like the way he just doesn't care if his voice doesn't sound completely aesthetically pleasing in a, in a in a traditional sense this is who he is and so um, I don't remember what the original guy was responding. <laughs> well, to Well, just it was, the, just the
0: idea but... of of the confidence of it that it's sounding. And, and yeah. again, how can it not? I mean, he for right. for for Dylan the nine the mid nineties were kind of a fallow period. Again, only by Bob Dylan standards, right? Would that be a fallow period where you're releasing a greatest hits record, two folk <laughs> albums that win right. Grammys? Uh, you're still doing a hundred tour dates a year. You know, only by Bob Dylan standards is that did, ling, did good as I've been to you and World Go going win Grammys. Yeah. They did. Wow. They like. They won like best folk album or something. Wow, best, yeah. At least one of them did, I believe. So it's like, wow. good lord, you know. I mean, even then, uh, Andy released. Andy did his, does an MTV unplugged. You know, concerts. I mean, only by again, by that ridiculous standard, he was quiet, but then he comes roaring back, wins a Grammy and all these other has tons of sales gets people saying it's the best record he's ever. I think Elvis Costello said it's the best record he ever made. And it does feel like this Jack Frost persona that he's put on for himself is kind of where he wanted to be when he was younger. And now he's here and he's just enjoying right. it. And right. remember, like, he wanted to be an old, he sings like an old man. He wants like to be an old the, man. Yeah. He, he wants want to, to, to Woody be Woody
1: Guthrie. Like, he, 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 if you can stack up that 1961 Bob Dylan album with World's Gone Wrong and Good As I've Been to You, like, they all and, kind of sound similar, you know? Um, in and terms- here he finally made it to that old, to that old cowboy rocker who's seen it all kind of. And, and as a musical genius. Like, yeah. in in terms like, of what it would have been like if he had been producing his albums all along, I don't know. I mean,
0: yeah. Well, he said it was the, your, your comment about that. He feels like, he seems like he's comfortable with who he is now. Uh, it reminds me of a story I told, I've heard. I don't know if I've ever told it on the show. Cause again, after too many 200 episodes, I don't remember, but it's this story where John Mellencamp told the story where he said he was backstage with Bob one night and just visiting and he was with his wife and Bob comes out and he's talking to the two of them. And he says, to was to John Mellencamp's wife. Again, I don't remember her name. I'm, I'm sorry, but he says to her, which belt do you think I should wear tonight? This one or this one? And it's like an hour before the show. And John Mellencamp's yeah. wife was like, Oh, I kind of like that one. You know, the points to one of them. And Bob's like, okay, thanks. And, <laughs> you know, puts it on I did my terrible Dylan impression. And Bob t- 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 toddles off to put his belt on or whatever it is. And Mellencamp is just watching this. And he's like, God, he's like, and he says to his wife, Bob's really weird, isn't he? (laughs) And, and and Mellencamp's wife goes, no, you're weird. And he's like, what do you mean? She says, I can't even talk to you before a show. You're so tense. She's like, look at Bob. He doesn't even know what belt he's going to wear. He doesn't even care. And she and he was like he re- he's like oh wow yeah I guess I am but like and it, that makes me think is after doing so many shows he's right. so in the zone that he doesn't even fret about what belt he's wearing an hour before <laughs> the show he's already kind of got it in his mind like, he's like okay yeah. I'm just gonna go yeah. out and I'm gonna do this and it doesn't eh, which belt this belt that belt that's good all right that's fine you know he's not he's not wasting any mental energy on. What belt he's going right. to wear, really, or even worrying about it, he's going to outsource it to somebody else's opinion. He's just going to go out. It's kind of like, again, I don't give. We've already been talking for a while. I don't want to go too far down this road, but I don't know. Have you read that interview with Winston Watson yet? Yes, like, okay, I was just about it. to bring it up. <laughs> that, that amazing story that right. Winston tells about his daughter uh, and the with the, 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 the pain on the cowboy boots, and we got to do something right. about this girl. And the idea that Bob is thinking about that. Just before they go on stage, yeah. he's thinking about his drummer's daughter's bully right. at school. It's like, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine being that relaxed before a public performance that you have time to think about that kind of stuff? It's amazing, and it's
1: not like he doesn't care. Like I've seen him no, get no, mad yeah. on stage, you know. And um, but the, the 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 comfort that he is with himself, right? Like he doesn't even need to think about a belt. It's amazing. This is the longest he's been that version of himself, yes. right? Like twenty yeah. years. And if you really include time in mind, so 50, uh, so twenty five years, right? Um, of being that version of you, that <laughs> that version of you. Um, <laughs> he it's it, it, it's if you you know watch walking through the center, kind of like you get to see the different versions of Bob and the tinkering, and like there's even they even reference him when in 19 after he meets the Beatles and in 65, he starts wearing those kind of boots with the heels, Mm -hmm. those Beatles. And it says specifically kind of that he, you know, and people that was one of the things that like those British fans were mad at that he wasn't wearing his worker boots kind of thing. Like he was getting out of that worker thing and more into like a kind of suave rock rock and roll thing in the sixties. And then you see it, you see him tinkering throughout time and all the way to like the 80s, and it's like you know leather sleeves list leather vest without a shirt you know like the earring he never quite gets it right and here so since 2000 since 1997 he's fine with who he is and mm-hmm. he knows his presentation and uh you know he knows his song well and so <laughs> before and, he and before he starts singing right he doesn't even and so and and it, that's no um knock on like the presentation like he clearly no cares. no 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 and, like, yeah 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 totally he, you know he clearly rehearses and he clearly there is an intentionality behind the lights and the the dress and what all the guys wear and the stage the, the weird
0: dummies on the stage sometimes the, the dummies yeah.
1: the, the 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 oscar that we we didn't see on the last tour <laughs> um so it's it, it, it's really this this song to me to kind of bring it all back home this song to me (laughs) well done thank you um this song to me is is when i close my eyes and look at and picture bob dylan over the last 20 years this song is what i picture Hmm. and that's one of the reasons i love it it's sort of like this is the anthem of this bob dylan not necessarily not dark yet or um those things that you know like from that album that he gets credited for but more like thunder on the mountain this um that's that's sort of my bob dylan right everyone has their period Mm -hmm. of time Mm -hmm. so my bob dylan is this this one presented in this in this this song because that's when i fell in love you know and and it's not like like this was the first new album i bought like i was already falling in love with bring it all back home um freewheeling blonde on blonde already obsessing blood, blood on the tracks but you know you never forget your first new one yeah
0: the first new one because you're experiencing it the same with every as everybody else in every, real time every dylan fan is on the same level with you when it comes to this record as right like you to. just blew
1: my mind with that story because like i thought i was telling you an interesting story in regards to my own and i'm sure for many people that was an experience they went and got the dylan album during 9-11 but like you just blew my mind that just a like a few hours earlier you were doing it (laughs) It was a surreal experience like to think of you know us in the same universe listening to it you know within hours of each other Mm -hmm. for the first time it just it blows my mind i know exactly where i was when i where i was when i heard it i know exactly where i was when i heard modern times and um yeah it's just so what was your first first dylan in real time new album Uh,
0: if you could under the red sky (laughs) <laughs> my first one. I got into him in in like 89 90 and I uh, spent the summer after my first year of art school gobbling up all the records and then I came back to school for second year and then it was that September that under the red sky came out and so that was the first one that I was that I bought brand new mm-hmm. and I, I love that record I, I think yeah. it's an underrated record underrated. You know, but it's definitely like, you know, I was like, really? Mm-hmm.
1: Huh? Well, in it, he's wiggle, wiggle, trying. Wiggle. Okay. He's, right. I mean, he's, <laughs> you can see he's like trying stuff. He's trying to yeah. get to this version that he is now. Yeah. He's just not quite there yet.
0: Yeah. Um, so, okay. We do need to, before we get wrap up here, we do have to talk about the live versions. Um, this song oh. has been played. Yeah. We got to get into that. This song has been played 160 times uh, starting in October of 2001. And then he stopped in 2017. Uh, so, you know, not a whole ton, but when you realize it's sort of a compressed time frame, it's again with by Bob Dylan standards, 16 years is a compressed time frame. Uh, for other artists, that would be a lifetime of record of uh, performing, but for Bob, it's you know, one percent. Uh, so you keep borrowing that phrase. Uh, but uh, I like the live versions, but it's they're very, to me, very similar to what we hear on the yeah. record. It's the tune yeah. is the same. The right. words, excuse me, the words are mostly the same. So he's obviously relatively happy with it in its right. current form because he hasn't really been tweaking it very much.
1: And I think we see that a lot from a lot of the blue songs, especially yeah. the recent, the recent blues songs. There isn't much, much tweaking with that stuff in terms of presentation. I saw it once, I saw it October 28th, 2006 at the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. And I was stoked. I, I lost my mind. And I don't think <laughs> other people there did. It was a weird show. It was one of those weird ones where he did it in a mini arena. It was like, a, it was like a minor league hockey arena. So it's like arena. It's just that those shows, the, he did three nights there, two nights there. And he, he's gotta be in a theater. The arenas are weird. It just is. Mm-hmm. And there are people talking during it, boomers who were like, Oh, he's not playing any of the hits, even though he played like, like Rolling Stone and Watchtower. Uh, <laughs> it was during the, the, the modern <laughs> times tour. It was 2006. Mm-hmm. And that was when, like you know, the I came out with with Thunder on the Mountain at the at the encore at the closing. So I was super stoked when I heard this, and it it was a mostly static set list, but. can I just actually read you the set list from this show? Sure, that of I heard course. It at? It's the only time. I've seen him twenty six times. Never heard it. I haven't heard it since. I'm so mad about that, especially because <laughs> it was a staple in two thousand six. But I would love to hear this again. Anyway, this is the set list. It's a sick set list. I can't believe I heard all these songs live. Maggie's Farm, She Belongs to Me, Lonesome Day Blues, Positively Fourth Street, It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding, Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll, Rollin' and Tumblin, Ballad of Hollis Brown, Most Likely, Joey, Rob. Oh, no. Joey. Okay. <laughs> oh, Highway no. 61, which at the time was ubiquitous. Working Man's Blues, Summer Days, also ubiquitous. Thunder on the Mountain, which was a staple obst- obst- wow, of That's two bangers
0: back to back like that. Back
1: to the back. It was crazy. Like Rolling Stone, Band Introductions, Watchtower. Like, I didn't. Why did I wish I could go back in time and appreciate that set list uh, now? A, a right? set, a set list party. with Hollis
0: Brown and Joey on it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy! Like I picked the right night to see him, and some of those, like I said, were staples, like Maggie's Farm. He was opening up with. Um, Summer day. I, I want to make a little. I'm going to make a little thread for hopefully people to join in. Uh, similar to the one you had recently about songs um, that were so egregiously left off oh, albums yes, yes. and i love the way you put that because it is egregious any <laughs> omission is egregious but i i'm curious like i i want to like hear what from people about like songs i i wish i i songs i didn't appreciate when they live uh at the time and it would be like you know like rolling stone blowing in the wind maggie's farm like Hi- highway 61 like those just kind of went within it was like, okay, this one now And like, I wait and they were all always great, but I wish then I would have known, like those are going to go away. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not mad that like rough and rowdy stuff has replaced them, but it would be nice to hear, hear them. So anyway, uh, Lonesome Day Blues, it was, a, it was, it's a banger of a performance and he's growling throughout the whole thing. And it's, you know, set over seven minutes. Uh, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's six minutes. I don't know. It's, it's long. And it's great. It's a great performance. Check it out. It's out there on Expecting Rain, uh, uh, Dylan Discussions, or whatever it's called. October. Well, 26th. okay. Well, October, all right. April twenty eighth, two thousand six.
0: But before we wrap up, I'm going to match you set list then because uh, I saw Bob do it? it. I've seen him do it a couple of times oh, live, right. but the one that the one that I remember the most was November nineteenth, two thousand one. It was his first gig in New York post nine eleven oh my god and yeah i saw him at madison square Where? garden uh met, oh. yeah, msg and this was the set list wait for the light to shine uh by the way i love all those folky covers he was opening mm. 90s yeah we talked concerts. about that oh yeah. my god so wait for the light to shine it ain't me babe a hard rain's gonna fall <laughs> searching for a soldier's grave uh tweedle dee and tweedle dum. just like a woman just like tom Thumb's blues lonesome day blues high water <laughs> Don't think twice, tangled up in blue, John Brown, summer days, sugar baby, drifters escape, rainy day wow. women, 12 and 35. Things have changed like a rolling stone, forever young, honest with me, blowing in the wind and all along the watchtower. And hey. so to me, that is a mix of obscure and hits. I mean, the- you know, you can't possibly come away from that show saying he didn't play the hits. When that he he was, was still yeah. Win and Watchtower you exactly,
1: know? and that was still the band with Charlie Saxton and Larry Campbell, yeah. where they were singing three part harmony with him. Yeah. Ninety seven to two thousand two was the last of that. I the first time I saw him was in two thousand two with that band, and they were like they covered Brown Sugar and uh, Old Man and. Yeah, it, it was wild. Uh, that, that you can't beat that. I mean, the garden. He like totally gives it up at the garden. What was that like? By the way, seeing him at the garden. Did that work
0: or? Well, I've seen him. I've seen him a bunch of shows of his at the garden. I was at the 30th anniversary concert. Was at the garden. You were this, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> This is thank you, Henry. Uh, okay, this that's just... a whole other show, Rob. I got. I want to hear about that one day. <laughs> you, I didn't know you were at the. Wow. Wait, are you screwing with me, or do you really not know that? You're I did not know
1: that you were at Bobfest.
0: What? Because people that. make fun of me that I mentioned it so much. How do you add uh, that? Really? Insane. Yes. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, good. Again. No, I actually was. At I that guess show. I'm not listening
1: closely enough. I was at that <laughs>
0: show. I was so high up. I was not in technically US airspace anymore, but I, I did see <laughs> the show. But the thing I remember about the, the um, God, we've been talking for two hours, but the thing I remember the most about seeing him in MSG after 9-11 was before he gets to sing, I think either before or right after he sings just like Tom Thumb's Blues, which of course has the line, I've been I'm going back to New York City. I do believe I've had enough. And people went, Ape shit. Yeah. You know, when he pops. sang that line. He has, he says, he literally says to the crowd, um, like that was dedicated to New York City and I've had a lot of great time to no one has to tell me how I feel about this town. And people just went crazy. Because he was being so kind of direct and hard, but I remember that. I remember hearing that and just feeling like I am really glad I'm here at this moment to see. <laughs> this is this, is, this That's is historic. Yeah, that was pretty. What, cool. what what was the date of that show?
1: Uh, November nineteenth, two thousand one. Oh, it was probably one of the first things back at the Garden, other
0: than like the Knicks and Rain. Yeah, probably, probably was like yeah. a one of the first concerts back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> I saw a bunch of shows. Bob shows, right? I saw them in Philly like two days later. So uh, i are wow. seeing uh, seeing a lot of Bob's at the time. So okay, all right, we've been talking for almost two <laughs> hours, Henry. We might we... have to chop this one in half. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing that. This is this is the show. This is how it's going to be. Um, thank you once again for coming back. You know, I thank always enjoy talking you. to you. The door is always open anytime you want to come by. I'm thank you so much for the field report about the Bob Dylan Center. I cannot wait to go uh, myself sometime. But until then, I'm so happy and so grateful that you and I mentioned you know, Robert and Allison were willing to come on the show and give me some info and the listeners about for people who haven't had a chance to go or won't get a chance to go. So thank you so much for, for doing this again, man. Uh you know I love you.
1: I love you too, man. This was this was great. Thank you so much. I I really needed a forum to talk about I haven't really I've only talked about my experience at the at the center to people who like Dylan, but not to the people. you know. Not to Dylan (laughs) on Twitter. So other than than tweeting it. So thank you for giving me a forum to share my really, truly special experience.
0: Absolutely. So tell people where they can find you out on the internet.
1: Sure. If you want to talk Dylan, that's mostly what I'm doing on the internet on at Gonzo3249. Um, Talking some other things too, but mostly uh, Dylan on there with Rob and other folks. Um I have a couple podcasts that I've talked about on here. Thank you so much, Rob. Uh one about um explicitly Jewish content in uh superhero comics. It's called Funny You Don't Look Jewish and it's at Jewish Comics Pod and as you could hear from, you know, today I'm unapologetically and explicitly Jewish. <laughs> so um uh, uh that's one of my subjects and I have a podcast about the Superman and Lois a TV show called Superman and Lois and Pals. And you can tweet us at Superman Pals pod.
0: All right. Uh, well, you know what? I do have one last thing I want to ask you before we, before we sign off. Not for the oh, show, is this not the, the
1: question? On... Your new question? Well, no,
0: you've already answered that. I uh, already asked you the sessions question. So I'm going to change it up a little. I'm going to ask you, this is specific to the Bob Dylan Center, if there is one thing that you could add to the center for the next time you go back. What would it be? What do you want to see? What is there an item? Is there a video? Is there an outtake? Is there? What would be the thing that you? If they said Henry, what would you add to the center? What do you? What do you think it needs? Or do you just want to see? Let may not needs, but you personally, Henry Bernstein, want to see.
1: I, I want to see a little section of Bob Dylan's personal Judaica, like the. Okay tallis he wore at his bar mitzvah maybe and the yarmulke maybe they, i'm sure bd kept that um <laughs> uh you know maybe like the 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 prayer book called the sidur in hebrew and the tefillin or phylactery phylacteries that he and his son wore at his son's bar mitzvah in jerusalem like you know, like stuff like that, I would like, and some, and explanations around it, you know, like some, some, a, a mini exhibit about Bob Dylan and Judaism. There's a lot of Bob Dylan and Christianity and, you know, being a famously Jewish person, I, I would love to see specifically, um, some, you know, like maybe the, his personal, um, uh, menorah, Hanukkah that he lights his Hanukkah candles on, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. That's, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's on brand for me, but Hey, <laughs>
0: if I've mean anything, I'm on brand. This, no, no wrong answer. Absolutely. <laughs> no wrong answer. So, uh, okay. Well, that said, that's a, that's a, that's a great answer. And, um, okay, let me go do I, one last thing <laughs> keep going. I do yeah. have one last thing I want to say about, about listening to everybody about Henry. I'm going to mention this at the very end. So let me just do my little plugs here. Of course, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You could subscribe to the show and any podcatcher of your choice. We have to thank our Patreon sponsors. You can sponsor this show over on patreon.com slash FW podcast. Like these fine folks, Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Shorty, Waki Meckle, Paul Ruther and. Henry Bernstein. Thanks so much, Henry. Uh, mm-hmm. of course, uh, you can buy the new Pod Dylan Jukebox t-shirt. Henry, if you need another t-shirt for the next visit to Bob Dylan Center, you it's can buy the, the uh, you can buy the Bob Dylan Jukebox t-shirt over on my Etsy page, which is just Rob Kelly Creative. And there's a link in the show notes. And just one last thing I want to mention, uh, just as a personal message to Henry, but I'm going to say in front of everybody, because this is going to be Henry's, um, last appearance on the show before I get married. Not your last appearance. Henry. I don't want to get you scared, (laughs) but this is going to be your last appearance on the show before I get married in October. And I'm going to mention everybody that um, we, my, my bride to be and I are getting married in a movie theater. Uh, That is, that is where our ceremony is going to take place. We're not religious. And so uh, that's the closest I kind of get to a, a shrine is a movie theater. So we're going to get married in a movie theater and we are going to be running a custom movie on the screen Behind us, uh, before the ceremony starts for people. And it's a history of, of, uh, my fiance and I. And there's photos and there's music and there's clips from other movies that are representative of our life. And it's a big part of the, the ceremony because this is what people are going to be watching before we come down and do our, our vows. And I do not have the skills to make such a movie. Uh, I had the idea for it, but not the skills. And luckily Henry stepped up and volunteered to do this for us. And he did an amazing job, and we are so proud of it. Thank you. And just a couple of weeks ago, we got to go to the theater and test it on the screen. First of all, you do not want to see yourself on a movie screen, <laughs> unless you are Brad Pitt, <laughs> you t- or like Sandra Bullock, Too or big. whatever. You do not want to see yourself <laughs> 50 feet high. It is a frightening thing. It will never happen again. But it was awesome. It was so awesome to see all that work that we put into it. Put together and on the screen with the music, it was just an amazing moment. My Kelly and I got got really uh, verklept over it uh, because oh, it was nice. just yeah, thank you um, because <laughs> it was just so nice to see it. And we could not have done it without Henry. We could not have done it without you. And we are so happy and we're so thankful that you were generous enough to do this. And I just you get a credit on the movie, you know, as you know, you're the title card at the end. The end it meant we put a Henry Bernstein production at the end but i wanted everybody to know publicly that you are a part of this ceremony that's obviously a huge part of my life so thank you very much my friend
1: you're you're so welcome i mean it's it's a labor of love and um i'm really happy to contribute thank you and uh, i'm so happy for you guys you know getting to know you and becoming friends with you as your relationship has grown and blossomed into this it's like you know, it's, you know, it's like how Love and Theft was when I, when I got into, to Dylan. So like, you know, K2HQ is like when I got into Rob <laughs> Kelly. So uh, I'm really happy for you guys. Mo- many, many muzzle tubes and... Yeah. Can't wait to hear how, the, how the crowd reacts to the movie. <laughs> It'll be very exciting.
0: There will definitely be photos that will be distributed at some point when, when it's, when it's all over. So, uh, again, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for all listening to all two hours of this episode, but, uh, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, again, just thanks for listening and uh, we will see you later. Bye
1: from exotic locales to bustling cities
0: Samantha Brown has logged thousands of miles hosting shows for the travel channel Some of it is a blur people will come up to me and say oh, I love when you were here and I and I actually have to think about it. I'm like was I in Sweden Yes I was Oh thank you yes I do remember doing that